Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Dime Dropper, another 2022 NBA playoff recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, going to be short and sweet. One game to talk about, the last game of the first round, a 2022 first round that did not Give us a Game 7, sadly. We only had one Game 7 in the first round last year. You can find that video on this channel. I was there, Clippers Mavs. But this year, sadly, we're not going to get a Game 7 in the first round, so we're going to have to hold out hope for the next rounds because the weak-ass Timberwolves, shout-out to Pat Bev. I still love you, brother, but we're going to get on on your guys' head for this one. Lost to the Memphis Grizzlies in how many games? Where'd you hear it first? You You heard it? First here on Dime Dropper with my preview with Nat. I said Grizzlies in six. I didn't waver. And it really should not have been Grizzlies in six. It should have been Wolves in something. Honestly, Wolves in six, Wolves in five. The Timberwolves should have won this series. I'm going to talk about why. Let's talk about the game tonight. Very even to start. A lot of energy in the building, as you'd expect. And Anthony Edwards set the tone. Like we saw in game one, like we saw in the play-in game. Set the tone. You saw the Grizzlies. They started Xavier Tillman. Their defensive strategy was to do a lot of hedge recover or show and recover, whether it was the guards guarding the pick and roll or the bigs. And Ant just did a really good job of turning that corner or waiting till he got back one-on-one with his man and got right to the rim. A lot of dribble penetration and kicks for the Timberwolves in the first quarter. Carl Anthony Towns wasn't really getting the ball in the post or mid-post or anything except for the first basket he made. Other than that, he was kind of just used as a pick-and-roll guy, pick-and-pop guy. D'Lo, fairly quiet in the first quarter. But the Timberwolves were on him. And then John Morant, the whole first half, and really the whole game, but the whole first half mainly, like 0 for 6. Like, he could not get anything going. Again, same thing. On the other side, though, they're hedging and recovering too with Towns coming up and they're focused and they're letting their, you know, the McDaniels, D'Angelo Russell, or whoever, Anthony Edwards, um, rotate. We're getting their length to rotate, trusting them to do so on the roller. And that was usually Brandon Clark. It also helps that he's not a shooting big man. But the Timberwolves, they did okay in the first, especially with Ja Morant. But Ja's still making some plays. He still had like five assists in the first half because he was finding Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks for open threes. And some weren't even open threes. Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks were hitting contested threes. Dylan hit like a step back and a sidestep contested. Desmond Bain hit a couple step backs. They were firing. But the Timberwolves led in the first quarter, 29-28. Another guy who I thought was really good for Minnesota tonight was Jaden McDaniels. He was amazing all game, both ends of the floor. His length guarding jaw, his making open threes, five of six from deep tonight for him. He was just awesome. And his length on defense, shot blocking. He got one block. It was a from behind against... I believe Jaron Jackson Jr., if I'm not mistaken. or oh, No, it was Brandon Clark in the fourth quarter. But anyway, Wolves up by one after one. Second quarter, 
saw some good minutes from Kyle Anderson, some decent minutes from Tyus Jones. Greg Monroe played in this game for seven minutes because Nas Reed missed the game for personal reasons, which did hurt the Wolves. He actually had a pretty solid series. And Monroe, he actually got he actually didn't get exposed in pick and roll. I didn't think they didn't go to him in in pick and roll enough, I thought the Grizzlies. But when they did, he just hedged, recovered. It was all good. You know, their rotations were fine. And somebody who I thought was just unbelievable put the biggest smile on my face. I'm gonna send him a tweet later tonight because it just put the fattest smile on my face seeing my favorite college player ever, Jordan McLaughlin from USC, spent four years with us here. I saw him play live at the Galen Center his sophomore year against Utah, against Jakob Pertl and Kyle Kuzma my first time. I was in high school, and Jordan McLaughlin's a guy that I really modeled my game after in many ways. It remind, you know, we like players a lot of times because they remind you of the way you play or you want to play like them. And In Jordan's case, I was already in high school, and I kind of had gotten a certain play style, and Jordan, he reminded me of myself. He's just a smaller guard smart decision-making, doesn't do too much, sometimes can be a little bit less confident than he should be in terms of looking for his own shot because he actually can score, he can get to the rim, he can shoot, but makes the right plays, doesn't do too much, and competes. And Jordan McLaughlin, you can see tonight, he had the highest basketball IQ of any guy on the Wolves because he spent four years in college, like I said, and is the NBA getting better and better, how that helps IQs. And he just was calm. Like this Wolves team we've talked about is low IQ. They won the, the second quarter 23-21. And by the way, if you're wondering how J-Mac played, as I said, he competed, made good reads in pick and roll, made really nice passes. There were some really nice passes where he pushed the ball and found a trailer in transition. One time he found Towns and he went had a full head of steam, got to get all the way to the basket for a dunk. That was only a six-point of the game, Carl Anthony Towns. And D'Lo still quiet in that first half. And then the second half. with They had kept John Morant at bay. Done a really good job. Brandon Clark, still really good, though. Jaron Jackson Jr., it's crazy. He, got, he shot 15 times. I didn't feel like he shot that many times. Most of them were... Yeah, that's interesting. But anyways, third quarter. The Grizzlies lost it 32-25. And it was kind of towards the end of the third quarter that the Wolves kind of started turning up on him because it was pretty even again for the majority of it. Still didn't see too many adjustments to me from either side. Towns is still doing his Towns thing. And D'Lo is still not really getting going. But at one point, you started seeing J- Jordan McLaughlin get MVP chance. I, again, I didn't think Jordan was going to make the league because of his size. He was undrafted and everything. For him to be getting MVP chance in a playoff game, game six, like deep in a series, it's insane. It's like I'm touched. I'm touched for sure. A proud fan. But John Morant, he started waking up a little bit more in the second half. But one thing Josh struggles with, besides the fact that he just can't shoot. You know, we saw him hit threes all season. Teams went under the screen and he burned them. Like, he burned my Clippers when we went under the screen. Opening night. You can see the video of it. It's on my channel. Or the one in Memphis. But he just doesn't seem to have this jumper in the playoffs. And the thing is, too, a lot of teams aren't really going under the screen with him. They're either hedging with, well, the Wolves were hedging a bit with Colin Anthony Towns all series long just trying to take away the drive. He still was able to turn the corner here and there in the series. But they were trying to take away that drive, make him get rid of the ball. And that's part of why you saw Desmond Bain have such a great series shooting the ball. Because he got so many open looks. And the Grizzlies do a really good job moving the ball. And you saw a lot of that tonight where they got open threes, but open threes off of jaw penetration and then making multiple passes. So, Jaw does a really good job of breaking down your defense, even if he's not shooting well, that's for sure. He's going to put constant pressure on you. He's going to make you play defense without fouling. 
And he still did good things tonight in that sense. But another thing Josh struggles with too that I've noticed is he, and my friend Will pointed this out, shout out to him on Twitter. When he gets, when guys are going over the top of screens on him and he's getting to the paint, he doesn't like realize that a guy is, that the guy that was guarding him is chasing him over that screen and is on his back because he got blocked and caught several times from behind in this series, mainly by Patrick Beverly, but lost the ball a good amount. And he's just got to be a little bit more under control, a little bit more patient and a little bit more wary of his surroundings as well. And, you know, he could get away with it in this series, but that's not going to be the case against Golden State. But anyways, the the Timberwolves, you started seeing them make a little run at the end of the third quarter, which gave them an 84-74 lead going into the fourth. But as of as, after watching this series for five games, you knew that, first of all, a 10-point lead in today's NBA is nothing. And secondly, you knew with the way the Wolves have been playing that that lead ain't safe. And one thing... Um... One thing about the fourth quarter is the way the Wolves started it, they, they set a horrible precedent to start the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? They This is how they started it. Turnover, Wolves, uh, Grizzlies hit a three, and then Carl Anthony Towns shoots a contested three with 12 on the shot clock. Tyus Jones comes down and hit a, hits a three. Now it's a three-point game, just like or a four-point game, just like that. Just like that. And the, the, the most annoying part, again, Malik Beasley, 12 seconds on the shot clock, shoots another three. Like, And, and funny enough, the Wolves still made a, another push to cushion the lead. And guess who it came with? Jordan McLaughlin. Two amazing pick-and-roll reads, bounce passes, to Jade, one to Jaden McDaniels, another to Carl Anthony Towns. And that made it 91-84, and the Grizzlies called timeout. Now, one thing that really made me mad was Carl Anthony Towns throughout the game. He did not get enough paint touches. In terms of, okay, let's put it this way. When he got in the paint, a lot of those times, it was because he would catch the ball at the three-point line and try to drive to the paint like a guard. But you have to understand, he's seven feet pushing that weight downhill against set defenses in a half-court set. So it's not the same as what I said in game in game one, where he was catching the ball and picking pops and he had space to drive into. He's catching the ball and driving into the set defense or trying to take his guy off the dribble. And what he doesn't understand is it's so easy to call offensive fouls when a guy's just barreling through the lane like that. That's exactly what Giannis figured out to be the roller more in pick and roll, to start his move deeper on the catch when he gets the ball. And a couple times, Carl Anthony Towns caught the ball. When he caught it deep, it was in the straight middle of the paint outside the restricted area so the defense could all collapse. He got blocked twice by Brandon Clark, you know, some near fouls, but he doesn't catch the ball on the block. He doesn't do enough work at all off the ball. It's the same problem AD has, the same problem I criticize. Um, do I criticize Embiid for that? It's mainly Anthony Davis. Because Embiid, he's still this season he has shown that he's get on the block, gets to the line, all that. Carl Anthony Towns, he shies so far away from the physicality. You know, he did better this series than he did against Houston four years ago. But this was just pathetic sometimes. The way he's neglected the part of his game that made him the number one pick. The reason why I started becoming a fan of him. He doesn't go to the post at all. He doesn't go at all. It's like insane to me. He And the reason why I bring it up that it was so detrimental, it wasn't as bad in the first quarter, but in the fourth quarter, he had Dylan Brooks on him for like three possessions and wants to take him off the dribble facing up behind the three-point line. Like, bro, buddy, where's your IQ at? 
Again, this goes back to that same bullshit. Oh, look at this seven-footer that's got handles. Tween has he step back. Bro, that's still going to play to the defense's advantage when you when it comes down to it. It looks pretty. It looks pretty in the regular season. You can get hot. That shit is not going to work when they're playing physical on you. Good defensive teams. He needed to get easy baskets, and he didn't. And another thing about him is when he's around the paint, almost every single time he went up this series around the paint, it's an offensive foul, like, liability almost. Like, it's like you, you're you scared he's going to get an offensive foul. He's like, where are his post fundamentals that he developed at Kentucky? I know it's not this bad. Dude's just shoving people, elbowing, hooking, just lowering the shoulder. You don't. You need to do all this to get a, to get a clean look around the rim as a seven-footer? Seriously? Like, I know they're fouling you. I know they're hacking you. And another thing is... His body language, like, it's like he's complaining so much. It's like he's looking for the foul. He doesn't go up strong. It's it's Siamese cat. It's really Siamese cat, to put it put it nicely. Insane to me. And it's that's not even, guys, it gets worse. Like, it was a pretty neck-to-neck game because the Grizzlies kept in the story of the series. Offensive rebounds. What's my main catchphrase? No rebounds, no rings. And that held true in this series for the Wolves, who did not get defensive rebounds in the second halves enough. And a main man who was attacking the offensive glass all series long and was arguably the best player in the whole series, in my opinion, Brandon Clark. 17 points, 11 boards, and 5 assists tonight to go along with 3 blocks and 5 offensive rebounds. 17 for the Grizzlies as a team to 6 for the Wolves. 37 to 56 in the rebounding battle in favor of Memphis. And that's the story of the game in the series in many ways. Nobody besides Carl Anthony Towns on the Minnesota Timberwolves got more than five rebounds. And I bet you could see that Carl Anthony Towns should have gotten more himself. And that being said, the game was still there for the taking. And D'Angelo Russell, you know, I got to say about him, I'm a big fan of D'Lo's. But D'Lo, he struggled majorly in this series. Just did not hit his shots. The shots that we've become accustomed to seeing D'Lo hit his whole career. And it's like, we got to ask some serious questions about this man's development now. How serious is he throughout a regular season? He didn't seem like he really developed a great rhythm at all. Maybe I'm wrong on that. If you're a Wolves fan, let me know. But he didn't develop any rhythm in this series. He had some decent games. He still created some good shots. But we know D'Lo's never been the quickest guy to take you off the dribble. So all his shots, you know, a lot of it is tough shots if it's isolation. And the Grizzlies were doing a lot of hedge recover tonight. So that was forcing isolation and forcing the ball out of his hands. Not letting him get in the paint. No drop coverage. So D'Lo just wasn't finding many clean looks. And he wasn't hitting his contested shots that he's made a living off of. So Chris Finch elected to bench him. And Jordan McLaughlin closed the game. Which was, I mean, a joy for me to see. But it's tough, you know. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons they lost too. When you look at the whole series, if you look at the big three of the Wolves, D'Lo was the one that didn't show up at all, really. Did he even have 25 points in one game? This is D'Angelo Russell. you got to have at least one 30-point game in a series in the modern NBA. Come on. Everyone's scoring 30 these days. Even in the playoffs, a lot of guys are scoring 30. Guys with D'Lo's ability are scoring 30. You know, And they're not just zeroing in on D'Lo the way Jaws getting zeroed in on, Donovan, Trey Young. It's not like that. So he's getting looks that he's made his whole career, and he, hasn't ma- he didn't make them. Oh, man. And then the big plays at the end of the game, guys, that really decided this one for me. It was 99-98, 3 to go. Carl Anthony Edwards started getting really aggressive in the fourth quarter. Dylan Brooks 
fouled out of the game on a Patrick Beverly charge attempt that he took, and it was a good one, with just under five minutes to go. And Dylan Brooks had a really solid game, even though he was cooling down. But obviously, he's much better on defense than Tyus Jones because now you're running with two small guards with Jones and Jaw. So that was an advantage that they had. And it was 99-98, right? 319 to go. Carl Anthony Towns missed an, like a long two. Not a terrible shot. I didn't mind it. And then they come back down the other end, run a pick and roll. Carl Anthony Towns hedges. They make the John makes the pass to Brandon Clark, the right one. And BC makes the four on three read. Good pass to Desmond Bain. Patrick Beverly fly by. Bad closeout. Desmond Bain makes him pay like he has all series. Not much. You know, you'd have to really dissect that defensive play to get into it. But Pat Bev, the closeout was poor. And good ball movement by the Memphis Grizzlies and a big shot by Desmond Bain. John Morant with the hockey assist. But what really, really, really pissed me off was after he made that three and after, you know, in fact, a couple of misses, actually. Anthony Edwards uh, missed a—you know what happened? Anthony Edwards got into the lane, spun, and missed a floater because he hadn't really shot any floaters tonight. At least from my memory, not one in the second half for a minute. So he just he just short armed it. He thought, you know, he thought he put enough on it. He didn't put enough on it. He airballed, but they were still able to get a couple of stops. Or I'm sorry. What happened was they gave up three shots after that. Three shot attempts for the Grizzlies. They did not rebound. One Jordan McLaughlin was at fault on the second one. John Morant got an offensive rebound, and then the first one, I believe it was a mix of. Vanderbilt and Towns, I can't remember, but they didn't get the offensive rebound. I believe it was Bain. Yeah, Bain got an offensive rebound. And then John Morant got by Jordan McLaughlin and had an incredible finish in traffic. And that's when you knew after making two big plays in a row, John Morant, as he has done all series, even in some terrible games, has started to get better as the game went on, which is a true, true sign of a star. He started getting better in the last couple of minutes. But what really pissed me off, and this play honestly resembles, like is a good encapsulation of the whole series to me. They're down by four. The momentum is completely against them. It's 103.99. There's two minutes and 15 seconds left. And with like 12 on the shot clock or 14 on the shot clock, Carl Anthony Towns takes a literal 28-footer. Contested. Not even close. Time and place. What separates great players. You want to talk about, see, this is why I don't like this argument of he's a better shooter, he's a better rebounder, like just judging the game like that, categories that way. Because what difference does it make if you can do all those things, but you don't know when to use those things and when to go to certain things, what not to do at certain times. And that comes from watching games. And that's why the eye test is so big for me. It's not about, oh, the eye test, meaning your bag is nice. That's not my eye test. My eye test is seeing what decisions you make. And as I always say, what buttons to push and when to push them and what you do in big moments. And Carl Anthony Towns failed every single one of those things I just said in this series. He showed me that his IQ after seven years, he plays like a rookie. He takes first quarter shots in the fourth quarter. And he didn't learn anything. And the only chance for this team to take the next step is for Ants to keep getting better because he's got it. Carl Anthony Towns, he's got it in terms of being an all-star in the NBA, but then that next level, that superstar level, which he has the talent to be at, in my opinion, it doesn't seem like he's going to get there. He needs to watch some tape or something because it was that's a, just a ridiculous shot. And funny enough, they still got a good stop. Anthony Edwards played good D on John Morant. And then Carl Anthony Towns made a nice four-on-three read himself to Jaden McDaniels, who had another three and cut the game down to one. But this was really the shot that kind of ended it for me 
John Morant, five seconds left on the shot clock. Jordan McLaughlin came and stunted at him. and Or kind of a double, basically. And Jaw went tween, tween. And then threw to protect the ball. Noticed there was a defender in front of him and behind him trying to poke at it. And threw the ball on a live drill with his left hand back to Tyus Jones for an open three. And he drained it. And Tyus Jones has made some big shots in this series. Especially in those second half comebacks in, you know, game three. Games five and, and three. But what a pass by Jaw. You know, the ability to have such a tough game and still make plays like that at the end. And, you know, put him up by four was... I thought that was the series. They still scored on the other end, though. The um, the Wolves. Jordan McLaughlin on a layup. And then, same thing. John Morant, high pick and roll. Towns comes out. Double team. Get it to Brandon Clark. Four on three read. Dumps it off to Jaron Jackson. Dunk. And that's the series. 114 to 106. The Memphis Grizzlies win in six, as I predicted. The Minnesota Timberwolves blow a 10 point lead. Another for the third time in this series, a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. Let's read the stat lines for this one. Tyus Jones, 10 points off the bench and four assists on four of nine shooting and two of six from deep. Thought he had a great series doing his job. And then Brandon Clark, maybe the player of the series, you let me know. 17 points, 11 boards, five assists, three blocks. Five of nine shooting, five offensive rebounds, seven of eight from the line. And then the starters, I'm not even going to say Xavier Tillman because he only played 11 minutes, but Dylan Brooks, 32 minutes played, maybe his best game of the entire series tonight, 23 points. He did foul out, nine for 19 shooting, five for six from deep. Some big shots in this game. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., Six for 15 from the field, three for six from deep. Those were big. He hit his first three, and he shot 50% from there, so that was huge. Another night with the Grizzlies shot well from three, 15 for 33, 45.5%, and I don't think they shot too many of them either, which was really good. So they got to be more on that kind of time against the Warriors. 18 points and 14 boards for for Triple J. That's a good stat line, good double-double. Was active as usual. Desmond Bain. Maybe also a claim for player of the series. 23 points and 7 rebounds. 9 for 15 shooting, 60%. And 5 and 9 from deep. That dude just lights out from 3. And then Ja, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, 5 turnovers though. 4 for 14 shooting and 0 for 5 from 3. 9 for 12 from the line. He needs to not shoot 5 threes in a game. I don't think he even needs to shoot more than 2. But John needs, needs to be way more efficient in that next series. The only thing I'll give the, the Grizzlies in that next series is the rebounding battle. I think the Warriors could struggle on the glass. But if the Warriors just rebound, they'll take care of them in, in six, five games, six games max. The Grizzlies still make too many bad decisions, and they're too reliant on the three ball. And the three ball that comes from a lot of John Morant high pick and roll, whereas the Warriors, it can come from a variety of places. And they get a lot of points on cuts because they're moving without the ball. So I think the Grizzlies are in trouble. I forget that the Grizzlies have home court. So I'm going to go with the Warriors in six. I just think that they have the best player in the series with Steph, experience. They're better defensively. The Grizzlies' defense, as, as good as it was in the regular season, it's not as good as it's advertised to me. I just think that they're still a little young and can have miscommunications. And the Warriors, I think the Warriors will beat them up. And I'm going I'm to be excited to see that. Now, the question is, can Ja have a better series? We'll see. The Warriors have some good defenders. One of the best defenders. The, they were number one in defensive rating in the league. I'd say they're not better than the Celtics, though, at this moment in time defensively. But they're going to switch a lot. You're going to see a lot more switching. The Timberwolves didn't switch as much. You're going to see a lot more of that. You're going to see more Jonathan Kaminga if you're the Warriors because of his athleticism. So it'll be a fun series, but I got the, I got the dubs in six. As for the Wolves, this was a very successful season. 
but they could have done more. And they're going to keep getting better, but it's it's built through Anthony Edwards. And I don't know what Delo's contract situation is, but they're going to have to maybe think about moving on in a bit because I don't know if he's going to get any better anymore. And that's the scary part because Delo had a lot of potential and I think he's a little bit lazy. And I'm happy he made the playoffs for the second time in, in his career, but he did not perform like he did the first time. Tonight's stat lines, Sabi for Jordan McLaughlin, nine points, five rebounds, four assists, one steal, zero turnovers, uh, four for five shooting. I, I'm so happy for that guy. Jaden McDaniels, he had a great season. I think he has a really bright future and has a really big future in Minnesota as well. He's going to be great next year, I believe. Twenty-four. I don't know why he didn't start over Vanderbilt. They should maybe consider that. 24 points, eight of nine shooting, five for six from deep in 33 minutes. He was awesome, 24, as I said. Vanderbilt only played 12 minutes, so no reason to really talk about him. Pat Bev, I thought he had a solid series, did what he could, really harassed job as he could. Going to be good for them next season if he can. I don't know what his contract situation is, but he was great for them this season. Just changes the culture, makes your team more serious, makes every game more serious. 10 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals and a block, 3 of 8 shooting, 2 for 5 from 3. Could have maybe made one more 3, but you got 10 points from Pat Bev, you're living with it. And then the 3, the big 3. By the way, 40-22 to 22 in favor of Memphis in the fourth, so that's just embarrassing. Another fourth quarter collapse. And the Timberwolves actually took care of the ball decently. They only had 11 turnovers, four of them from D'Angelo Russell, though, who only had seven points on three of seven shooting and one of three from deep and didn't get to the line once. Four assists, three steals, but D'Lo, man. I don't know what to say. And then Cat, 18-10, and 10, four assists, two turnovers, Six for 19 shooting and 0 of 3 from deep. Six of 9 from the line. That's just what you can't afford to have as well. 66% from the line, dude. You're too good of a shooter for that. Best big, best shooting big man ever. Give me a fucking break, bro. I don't want to hear that shit ever again. And you know what? Dirk had his fair share of struggles uh, in his career in terms of um, playoffs in the beginning. Even up to like year... 12 but he, he still was better at he still had accomplished more at this stage of his career than cat what this is cat's seventh year so dirk would have been 2005 yeah i'm pretty sure i mean in 2003 where the mavs were nasty so whatever and then anthony edwards i thought he played well i wouldn't put this much on this one on him yeah he airballed a floater but maybe should have made one more free throw for really picking and choosing 30 points five boards five assists two steals two blocks 10 for 24 shooting and 4 for 10 from deep. 6 of 8 from the line. The Grizzlies win the series 114-106. It's the Memphis Grizzlies' first series win since 2015 when they defeated the Portland Trailblazers in, I believe, five games and then lost to the Warriors in what I believe. And I'm going to do a video on this series one day in, in more depth. But I think this is, that was the series that changed the NBA forever. Memphis versus Golden State 2015. It was the only it was the only good team to me that like really good team that the Grizzlies that the Warriors faced in that run cuz we choked against the Rockets. And I also believe that well also and Conley and Tony Allen were a little injured. Ugh, Warriors fans don't want to hear that, but I'm not saying that the Warriors would have lost. Anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. That's it for the Minnesota Timberwolves season. So, let's take a look at my picks, right? Heat and 5, check. Um Suns in five. Well, Suns in six. Who's the freaking two seed in the East? 
the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. I had Celtics in seven. Eh, sweep. I had Grizzlies in six. Ding. That one was right. So two for four. And then Bucks in five. Ding. Also right. So that's three of them. And then on the other side, it was Warriors and Nuggets. Warriors in five. Also got that one right. And then I had, I didn't know because of Luca. I said either Mavs and, either Mavs and, I said if Luca plays Mavs in six, and then if if he doesn't, oh no, I'm sorry. I said Mavs in seven if Luca plays and Jazz in six. So I was wrong on that one. And then the last one was, Philly and, and Toronto, where I had Philly in seven, and it was Philly in six. So I was four, four for eight, 50%. I'll take it. I wasn't off by two games. Actually, no, I was on the Celtics series. But So here are my picks for the second round, and I think we have an amazing second round ahead of us. So one of the best in, in recent memory, although last year was pretty good. I mean, Clippers, Jazz was fun, especially for me. Nets, Bucks was a classic series. I think we're going to be talking about series for years and years to come. Philly Atlanta was pretty fun. I mean, it, in terms of long-term impact on the Sixers franchise, that Ben Simmons moment is going to be never forgotten. So I thought that was, I don't think any, I mean, game seven was historic for that reason, but the series wasn't too exciting, even though there were some good games in there, like game five where the Sixers choked. And then, yeah, what was the other series? Oh yeah, the Nuggets Suns was weak. So yeah, I think this year we're going to be excited. By the way, if I, I need to talk about Joel Embiid real quick. I know that's going to be asked, and it's so sad, man. It's so sad. Orbital fracture. I don't know if I mentioned that in the live last night, but I did see that play because I was watching the game. Siakam going into Embiid because Embiid had done the airplane, guys. He was he was he was boasting. Show you know what I'm saying. He was rubbing it in a little bit, and I think Siakam just was like, "I'm just going to take it at this man." And he has an orbital fracture now, and they're going to say he's out indefinitely. Probably going to be out for game one. So now the Heat should go up 2 nothing if they have the opportunity to have two games without Embiid. But it's just so sad to see because Embiid just can't stay healthy in the playoffs. But this wasn't his fault at all. This was a freak accident. I think he's going to pl definitely play in the series. He's just going to have to wear a mask again like 2018. It's just tough. He's already got the finger injury. It's brutal. But I, don't, I think the Sixers are frauds anyway. I told you guys. I think just Harden's bound to flame out. Especially with a team that can switch everything like the Heat. They're going to make him play one-on-one. -on -one and they're going to really see if his quick step is still there. they got really long defenders. P.J. Tucker knows Harden. So he's going to try to get after him. And then Embiid is going to play against Bam. So we'll see how that goes. And the Heat are just better coached. I think they move the ball better and, get, and smarter. They have three stars to the Sixers too. Even though the Sixers, you know, if Harden plays like Harden, could have the two best players in the series on a given night. But we'll see how it goes. I'm taking the Heat in six, though. And then I'm also taking the Celtics in six with Middleton out the whole series. I know that may be a hot take. I know people are still going with Giannis. People are still saying Celtics in seven. I'm going to go with the Celtics in six. And then I'm going to go with the Warriors in six. And I'm going to go with... The Suns? In seven games. I think that one's going the distance. I think Luka is going to really show you guys what's up in this series. He's going to be the best player in the series. And we'll see how Devin Booker looks. It's really all dependent on that. If Booker had never gotten hurt, I would have said Mavs and Suns in six. But I think it's going to go seven. And we'll see if DeAndre Ayton, despite how good a defender he is in space, how well he's going to do if the Mavs go five out and if they start hitting threes like they did in this series. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Dorian Finney-Smith on Devin Booker. 
And I'm just interested to see how Chris Paul does against the Mavs because they're a better defense than the Pelicans for sure. But it's going to be a great second round, guys. 2019 was an awesome second round that year. We had the Game 7. We had Game 7 in Portland, Denver. Game 7, Philly and Toronto. And then we had a great six-game series of Golden State. Kyrie Irving's quit job, whatever. So that was fun. The second round is honestly my favorite round. Actually, no, it's not. I used to never say that because the Clippers used to always lose in the second round. I used to say the first round was my favorite. But I'm, I'm, I'm actually, the last couple years, the second round has become my favorite because there's still a good amount of games where there's eight teams left. I can watch all of them without this three-game stuff. I hate the three games. And then the quality of basketball is just so good. You have such good teams. And by the, as I said, this is the best Eastern Conference for teams remaining of my lifetime. And the best series, Celtics-Bucks since in the East since LeBron was with the Heat. That's it for me tonight, guys. I'm going to go to the live subscribers now. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar, a dime. Obviously, no episode tomorrow since there's no game. So enjoy your night away from me. I'll enjoy my night away from you guys. Just kidding. I love you guys. And then Sunday, the second round begins. So we're back for that. And I'm going to see what I can do. By the way, just know I have videos lined up for um, the offseason as well. And we're going to be really much more active this offseason than last offseason for a variety of reasons. But... That's it tonight, guys. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers. Peace.